Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Art of Getting Your Shit Together. I'm Lindsay, and I'm here with my co-host, Jenna, and we have an amazing guest for you today, Liz Illig, who is owner of Puff and Fluff Grooming and Pet Sitting, and she is here not just to talk about her business, but to really talk about betting on yourself and finding opportunity and taking risks to start, grow, and thrive in your passion. Yeah, so here's a little bit more about Liz. An enthusiastic animal lover from a small town in Iowa, Liz Illig is the owner of Puff and Fluff Grooming and Pet Sitting. Always the inventor, Liz created an edible buffalo jerky bowl, and as a kid called it, he can eat the dish. Channeling that entrepreneurial spirit, Liz went on to earn her bachelor's in business from Arizona State University, where she started a simple pet sitting business. That side gig has now blossomed into quite the client base with her five locations in Arizona. In her organized, savvy style, Liz cares for her clients' pets as if they're her own, and she works hard to deliver an excellent experience, from shampoodles to ear cleanings to haircuts and podicures. When she's not busy running puff and fluff or volunteering her time, Liz can be found with her sweet little family and also helping to create systems of organization for other small business owners so that they can scale their businesses and be successful. Now, you guys, this interview is so good. Lindsay and I have been raving about it since we recorded it a week ago, and we just want to tell you that you should listen all the way to the end because there are so many good nuggets of wisdom and advice, and even if you're not a business owner, or if you're maybe if you're thinking about becoming a business owner, it doesn't even matter. Like She drops yeah. such good, yummy information. Talk about bringing all of your core values into your life and living the personal brand like what we talk about often. Yes. Absolutely. How it all carries over and you are not going to want to miss a minute. Yeah, because we get into the nitty gritty near the end. So don't you dare poop out on this early. Don't you dare. (laughs) Naughty. (laughs) Without further ado, here is our interview with Liz. Enjoy. Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. So welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you here. You're one of our favorite peoples. Actually, before we get into your story, it's a special day for you today. March 1st, we're recording this podcast. And can you tell us the significance of March 1st? Yes. So March 1st is six years ago today, I bought my first grooming shop. Yes. And it's super exciting. So every time this this comes around every year, like it's just a time for me to reflect on the past years and where I've come from because each year I just keep evolving. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that I stay true to who I was then and to who I am now. Yeah. So this started with a pet sitting business and a dream, I'm assuming, because you're an animal lover, just like Lindsay and I were dog people. And uh, I'm a dog mom, just like you are, Liz. So can you tell us a little bit about how your story started? Like, how did you decide that you even wanted to? own a grooming and pet sitting business and tell us how the dream started. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I got my first dog in 1995 and I had come to the valley a few times to visit because we had some like relatives in town. And so we would travel here to Phoenix and so I named my first dog Phoenix. Weird, right? (laughs) So then 10 years later, I literally moved to Arizona. 
it's just kind of crazy, right? My yeah. first dog I named Phoenix. I'm now live here in Phoenix and now own, you know, a pet grooming shop. And so it's just it's just evolved and uh-huh. it's been an amazing journey. So how I originally started, I was working corporate jobs. I was putting myself through school, um, undergrad at ASU, and then I have my master's degree through NAU. And so through that time, I was like hustling. I had to pay myself through college. You know, I didn't come from a family that had a lot of money. So I really just had to do everything on my own. And from there, I was working and going to school, just kind of just doing it. And... I'm like, there has to be a way I can make like some other money at night. You know, yeah. I'm like going to school and working during the day, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I can, I can do something else. So I started a pet sitting business and that evolved. You know, I started having like one customer and then I had two and then my name started getting out there and I was like, hmm, how can I make more money doing this? And I'm like, I'm going to hire people, my friends that are in college that want to make some extra money and then they're going to go pet sit and I'm going to get 50% of, you know, the profit. And so that business just grew. In the meantime, I was working corporate jobs and it was horrible. Like I remember my mom sitting down with me one time at lunch and she's like, all you do is complain about your job. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't work for somebody. I literally think that's like, it's just like in my blood. Like I cannot work for the man. And like, I kind of was offended by that because I was like, I didn't think I could ever like really be able to survive on my own as a, as a business owner. And so from that moment, I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. I'm never happy with my bosses. It's just, you know, I've been able to learn a lot of Mm -hmm. things from those people, but I need to do something else. So I was working at Career Builder. I was selling job postings, (laughs) (laughs) talking to all people, selling, selling, selling. And they sent me to Chicago for sales training. And I'm not a good salesperson. So I went through the sales program that they had and I was like, I can sell anything now. Like if I can sell a job posting, I can sell anything, right? Like it's, it's one of those things. So, Went back, started working at Cribbler. I was making good money. I mean, I, once you're good at sales, you can really, you know, make some good money. And I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't sit in this cubicle, right? And just like slave away. So I had this like brilliant idea. I'm just gonna look online and see what businesses are for sale that are pet related because I had customers, a very, very small business with customers that had pets. So I'm like, this is going to be like, this is what I'm going to do. So I saw there was a grooming shop and it was for sale and it was 450 square feet. Their lady was the owner and the groomer. Mm -hmm. So she was by herself and she had one person bathing dogs because she was getting older and she needed to retire. So she was selling this business and it was on a broker website. So I called the broker and meanwhile, I have no money right yeah. I it was not appropriate for me to be looking at dollar amount businesses when like I had thirty thousand dollars in student loans I was broke but I was like broke broke I owed people and I owned I had student loans you were so broke you couldn't afford the O yes <laughs> yeah like, it was so bad like I don't even know what I was thinking yeah but good thing I was thinking so I went in there I knew nothing about grooming. I've always had dogs that didn't need a haircut, so I like had no idea of the process. 
I didn't know they use clippers to clip dogs' hair. I'm from Iowa. Farm girl. I didn't know what it was pampering your pets like that. And so I left that day and I was like, well, that was awesome, but I have no money. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to tell like the business broker, like, I don't have any money. So I took the next few weeks and I went from bank to bank. I went to seven banks and one of the banks, and I went during my lunch hour at CareerBuilder. So I would leave, literally not even eat lunch and just go to banks. This was 2013. And I'd go to these banks and be like, hey, I'm looking for a small business loan. And they're like, eh, 2013, not giving loans, right? Yeah. I'm like, eh, okay, bummer. But um, can you run my credit and see what, what you can get me? Like, you don't have any other options? And one guy was like, I could probably do a line of credit for you. And I was like, well, tell me more. He's like, well, I, I can fund most of the amount that you need. But the interest rate will be 18%. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how soon can I get the money? He's like, we can like wire it to you tomorrow once you sign all the documents. I'm like, all right, let's make it happen. So I was $4,000 short from the asking price. And remind you, I already filled out a contract that I was buying this business. So, you know, I'd have to reach the contract or something. Yeah. I mean, like I just knew I was going to do it and I didn't know how, how I was going to do it, but I just knew I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was $4,000 short. And I called my dad. He um, was in Iowa. And I told him, he's a farmer. And I said, please, I just need $4,000. And he's like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, this is not a good idea. A lot of my other family members told me no. And so I just pleaded to my dad. I was like, just make this happen, please. And he's and he was always like the one to like have to think about it. And he's mm-hmm. like, let me think about it and I'll let you know. So, of course, I was checking the mail every single day to see if a check was coming. Yeah. And I looked, and my dad gave me the $4,000 I needed, the remaining money. And he wrote on a little piece of paper, he said, you can pay me back when you're a success. And now he's recently has passed. Um, He passed in 2015, but he did come to visit and see my one shop that I had and my little baby. So um, just really near and dear to my heart that, you know, others had said no. I don't know if he like believed in me that I could do it, but he helped me do it and he was able to see me actually do it. He didn't understand what I was doing and I, I, you know, even right before he died, I don't even think he understood what I was doing. Um, but a few months before um, he died, we, we had a conversation. And he said, I just can't believe that that remaining money I gave you, look what you were able to do with it. And it was just super touching. So I had all the money. So I closed March 1st, 2013 in my first shop. It's so funny. I look back at pictures even now and I don't even look like the same person. (laughs) It's so funny. And so, you know, I'm always, I always like nice things. So I did like a remodel. And I mean, to this day, I still am not a groomer or I don't know how to groom. And so going into it, I just knew that I could grow the business. And that's, I didn't have any other option, right? I mean, I had all this debt now. And I needed to be a success. And so, you know, I ate a lot of ramen noodles and I was pet sitting, just trying to do it and Mm -hmm. and make make a dream that I had envisioned. And so 
Yeah. That's crazy. I love it. Once you knew your dream was happening, it was a non-negotiable at that point. And Tony Robbins says something that I love. It's like, if you want to take the island, you have to burn the boat. And you really arrived on your island. You burnt your boat. You didn't even have the extra 4000 yet, but you had already signed the contract. You're like, this is it. There's no turning back. And I have to make it work. And that takes a lot of mental strength, courage, obviously. What were some of the thoughts going through your head, though, while you were waiting for that extra $4,000? I was nervous because I had asked everybody that I possibly could. So worst case, I was probably going to ask like one of my pet sitting clients if they can mm. give me a loan or something and I'll like be their pet sitter, you know, for the next how many years. But to be honest, I just never really thought that I couldn't find the funds or that one person, I just need one more person to believe in me, you know? And looking back at it today, 18% interest rate, I would not have probably done that, but I didn't think about it enough. And I'm so glad that I, you know, didn't think about it because I wouldn't be where I am today. Like I would not have this opportunity. You saw the opportunity. So you didn't have let that fear even set in at that point. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful thing that it was your father who was able to to help you out and then was able to see your success. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah me too. So I'm always just so, you know, always remember where you came from. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that you said you don't even look the same as you did. Well, you're not even the same. You're different. It changes you. <laughs> it Owning changes a business you. changes you. And that's why I said at the beginning, you know, having a business is such a growth opportunity for your life. And I know from my point of view, having a business and the ups and recently I just had a down and it was, it's an AFCO, another fucking growth opportunity for sure. I have to ask though, I'm not really the risk taker. I'm, I admire you. Like you wouldn't believe because you actually did that. I would have overthought it and been like, nah, I'm not doing this. But did you have a plan to pay that back? Did you know, okay, my shop has to make this much money in order for me to pay this loan back and then I can actually pay myself? And then how did that work out for you just from a nosy perspective? Like, how did that work out for you? I know you said you ate a lot of ramen, but did you pay yourself? Was it kind of tough the first year? And then how did it evolve into another shop? So I just knew what my monthly payments were, right? And so you know your monthly payments and you're like, okay, I just have to make that monthly payment to, you know, stay above, right? And so I... Not to mention pay people, right? Yeah, pay people, Yeah, you have to pay people. Yeah, and you know, in the grooming (laughs) industry... Since you're not grooming, right? Yeah, grooming industry is 50%, right? So if you're bringing in $50, you're only getting 25. Mm -hmm. And you're paying all the overhead expenses. So I literally was doing a lot of pet sitting in the evenings just to pay my living expenses. But I tell you, I hustled. I was in every networking event. I was cold calling people. You know, I placed Mm -hmm. myself out in social media a ton and the phone started ringing. I started connecting with my community and knowing who my community was and the phone kept ringing and it kept ringing. And so where the growth started taking place is the phone kept ringing. (laughs) So I started opening five days a week, then I went to six, then I went to seven. So I was at full max capacity to serve 
the community. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, for grooming only drive about five to eight mile radius of where a location is. So we're talking a tight knit community that knew about my business mm-hmm. and saw me, right? Cause I was opening and closing these shops. I was the front girl. Um, and so people could connect with me when they dropped off and picked up their pet. They trusted you. Yes. And I feel like they, some of them probably looked at me like, she's super young. How is she doing this? You know, or, you know, just certain things people would think. Um, But the phone just kept ringing. And from there, I was able to pay off. The first thing I paid off was this line of credit. And I had that paid off within a year and a half. Nice. Then the next challenge was I needed to pay my student loans off. That happened in the next year. So now we're two and a half years in. So I had all my business debt paid and my student loans. So I still had a house. So I, I bought a house like right when I graduated. And so I'm like, okay. Now I'm now I'm set, right? I don't have a ton of debt now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my house, but that's also an investment. So really, it just was connecting with my community and showing up and being present and doing everything that I possibly could, you know? And that was also a huge factor of serving my customers. Yeah. And serving them well and mm-hmm. serving not only them, but their pets. And, you know, I feel like I came into the market at a great time because a lot of people that owned grooming businesses were getting older and a lot of people have since retired. And so I've been able to look at this, you know, industry in the last six years and it's changed. The pet parent has changed. Oh yes. Uh, you know, I mean, even it, six we years We have bark ago. boxes now, Liz. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that wasn't a thing. No? Right. And yeah. so I feel like also that I came into the industry at a really, really good time. Timing is always a fact. I mean, timing is always a factor. Yes. It seems like in a lot of these things. But also, I think one of the things that I just want to emphasize is the fact that you busted your ass. Like, yes, it was hard work. It wasn't easy. You you made a choice. You went for it. And then you busted your ass to make it work. And you really put yourself out there. It wasn't just... The phone didn't keep ringing as a fluke. You were in... Like you said, you were involved in all the networking things. You were doing cold calls. You were really putting yourself out there and and being vulnerable to say here I am but you're showing up with your with your work ethic and really serving your customers Mm -hmm. and then the answer to your question I didn't start paying myself until my CPA was like it's time and that happened at year three Mm -hmm. so before then I was just taking owner's draws Mm-hmm. for anything that else just to get by, right? If I needed $200 more for my mortgage, I would pull from the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was at year three is when I bought my second shop. And that at year three, I was able to buy with cash. I had my own money from the success of my first one, right? That's So awesome. I mean, this wasn't, you know, I mean, it worked out with timing, right? But I knew that there were fundamental things that I had to do in the first few years to get these other debts paid off and then have enough money to go and buy the second one with cash. So that's kind of how the second one happened. And then the second one is where 
I was going to start ripping out my hair because <laughs> it was a lot of responsibility and I had more employees. And then I, Liz, couldn't be at two locations. Yeah. That doesn't feel good when you're like a control freak, right? So I had to learn very, very quickly how to delegate, mm-hmm. right? And delegate really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is so important. It's so hard. And I had to start putting everything in my mind down on paper. Yeah. How do you do this? How do you check in a customer? How do you check out a customer? What is your customer's experience? How are they supposed to feel, think? All these, you know, touchy-feely things are super important when you're dealing with, you know, a customer or a client. So I had to figure all that out. And so I finally sat down at year three and wrote down my whole business. Remind you, I've never had a business plan. And still to this day, I don't have a business plan. I act on opportunity and I make sure that I'm ready for the next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No business plan. Like people ask like, can I, can you help me with a business plan? And I'm like, I would love to help you with it, but I've never done one. I'm, I'm, it's just not my cup of tea, right? I haven't, I haven't needed to, I guess. And I'm a type A personality. So I just, and I'm a risk taker. Risk takers don't like sit down and analyze business plans. I feel like a lot of businesses that way, start that way, where I think that's kind of the MBA type way to go into business is come up with a business plan, take it into the bank, do the thing with the stuff, then you're off to the races, right? But that's, I didn't have a business plan either. I just did it. I took a baby risk. I did not take out a line of credit to start my business like you did, but it was still a thing where you jump and hope the net appears. You know what I mean? And you you have to figure out a way to make your clients happy and make them remember you. And I know you're really big on values, and so I want to touch on that really quick too. On your social media, you're always talking about knowing your values and really injecting that into your business. And can you talk a little bit about why that's so important to you and whether or not that carries over into your life as well? Yeah, so I did core values at year three when I really started putting things down on paper. When I was starting to have conversations with my employees, you know, I would say this is how it should be, right? Mm -hmm. But I started putting words down. What it meant to be part of Puff and Fluff. What somebody should feel, right, when they come in. What can they expect from us? So I started writing down core values. And with that, it gave me better conversations to have with my employees. Pet safety is a huge one for us. I love that. Right? Aim to please. Yeah. And when you talk with your employee and you talk with a customer, everybody knows what the expectation is. So I always go back to my core values. Say I get a negative feedback and somebody says, you know, this wasn't done right. I can go back to my employee and we can discuss core values Mm -hmm. because they all know them. And can you tell us what you do when you do get a negative review, what you do for your customer? I will always make it right by them. And aren't you spending time in email? And Oh, yeah. So every day at the end of the day, I personally email every single customer. Five shops every and that's, single And that's customer. whether they had a good experience or not, right? Yes. This is every person. And it gives them the opportunity to communicate with me first before Yelp, before Google, before Facebook, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, this email goes out 
and I want to have the opportunity for them to be heard by me, right? The buck stops here, right? I mean, and that sometimes sucks, right? I have to make hard, hard decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, they're hearing from me. They get an email, and it actually is a video that I've pre-recorded that is me at the shop speaking to them, speaking about their experience. And I've been able to make sure I don't get the negative, negative, negative response on social media because they can voice their opinion to me because they want to be heard. Yeah. Let's face it, right? And so most people want to know the owner. They want to have that communication. So let them be heard. Yes. Right? It's critical. Yeah, making people feel important. Mm-hmm. People yeah. want to be acknowledged. I say it over and over again. People want to be acknowledged and validated. Whether we agree with it or not, they they have the opportunity and they should have the opportunity. And I think that's where you have that that closeness, again, with showing up for your customer in such a way that just amplifies what Puff and Fluff is about and that more businesses should adopt. Because the bigger the business, sometimes that gets kind of blown out of proportion, but Mm -hmm. you need to be in contact with your customer all the time and putting yourself first like that. And and every single time, I know when I go to the vet, regardless if there was a surgery or whatever, my veterinarian calls me, hi, Lindsay, I just want to see how Kyla was doing and this and that. And I love hearing from him. It's such a personal touch where I drive now almost 40 minutes to get to my vet and I'll never change my vet for that reason. And I want to say, um, when I met you, Liz, a couple years ago now, yeah, I think it's been a couple yeah. years. And you were too far for me to bring my dogs to, unfortunately, which makes me so sad. You know, that seven to eight mile radius you're talking about is way out of my, my driving yeah. range. But we just had a meeting. We met. Uh, we had a mutual friend, amazing friend, introduce us. And you sent me a thank you note for meeting with dog treats for my puppies. And it was so, I was like, God, I wish I had her address so that I could have sent her something too. But it made me feel so good so it's not just what you do for your customers but you carry this out into all aspects of your life which i think is amazing and so you're helping people be seen and heard and feel special and like they matter even on an individual basis which i think is one of the things that makes you so amazing and probably so successful so so sweet i i do want people to feel appreciated right and and to be heard especially when i'm growing and i'm becoming a bigger bigger company i need to make sure that i'm still the voice right absolutely i'm the voice on my newsletter i'm the voice in that feedback email i'm the voice on all my blogs right it's very important to me that i'm the voice even though i've scaled and grown keep it basic Mm-hmm. And your voice carries down into your shops, like those core values. You're all speaking the same language. So regardless of what shop you go to, they're still hearing a little bit of your voice in that, but you still have that connection with your clients. I love that. Yeah. It's so I, awesome. When I go into my shops and I hear some of my managers on the phone with customers and they're speaking my language, I literally have to think, is that me speaking? Right? And that's exactly what every business owner should be doing, mm-hmm. right? Is teaching those core values so they're speaking what you would speak. Because whether it be me or them speaking, it's branding, yep. right? Absolutely. It's consistency. And that's what people want. Yep. Yes. That's why they go again and again to have that same experience. And that's what that expectation is. And that's why I just, 
am in awe. Yeah, and <laughs> it builds love it. it builds loyalty. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the things that I really try to help educate my clients on. Since we do a lot, I do a lot of branding over in my company, and if everybody did what you did, their businesses would just skyrocket because that special touch and and having everybody on the same page and work from a place of good like you have core values and they're all very good things to believe in and want to run your business by so I just think it's amazing and kudos to you and congratulations on your six-year anniversary thank you (laughs) super exciting yeah so I'm wondering if you could share with us a few lessons that you've learned over the years. We know that you've done a lot in six years. You're on your fifth business, right? Yeah. Yep. And if you could take us through some of the things that you've learned along the way that people could apply. Maybe there's some of our listeners who are on the edge of taking a risk or wanting to get into being their own boss and building their own business, or maybe just people who we could carry it over into our everyday life. Yeah. So based on what you guys have heard is take risks with unknowns right do something that's risky right we everybody's risk level is different but do something that's risky yeah mm-hmm. because you don't know what the outcome's going to be and it's okay if you fail if you need to get get up off the pavement and start all over and do something else but give it time but take risks yeah it builds your character i was just i was just listening to a podcast yesterday and the guy said that he had created 43 businesses and 42 of them succeeded one of them failed and it was a 23 million dollar failure and i don't remember who he was talking with but he basically said well you went to a seminar and it cost you 23 million dollars what are you going to learn from it and I thought that was such an, I'm like, I would be freaking the fuck out if that happened to me. <laughs> That's a lot of money. He's like, and that was a lot of money to me. It's not just that it was a lot of money, but it was all of my money. And here he is. He, he lost $23 million and he, I think it was his first failure if I remember correctly. And he kept going and here he is 42 businesses later and a millionaire. Yeah. He made it back. Yeah. So, for real. Yeah. Kind of like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's only a failure if you quit trying. Yeah, for sure. My other one is show up for people. People matter. Yeah. People matter and people want to feel appreciated. And it goes back to what we were, you know, discussing is people want to be heard. So so show up because, you know, I tend to be an introvert and I used to be an extrovert. But, and it's weird how it's changed. I think that happens as we get older. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> because sudden, I don't act like an introvert, but I prefer <laughs> to be an introvert. All of a sudden um, you're like, those sweatpants. 100%. I totally feel you. And how that's changed. It's kind of weird how we evolve. <laughs> I'm going to watch Netflix tonight. You guys enjoy your drinks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's okay. I'll have a drink while I watch Netflix. Yeah. With my dogs. <laughs> exactly. Yep, and it's Best all good. <laughs> life ever. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Um... Another one is be mindful of your body, mind, and spirit. Care about yourself. And most importantly, love yourself, which means take time for yourself. And you are not only a business owner and a business, you help other businesses get their systems in order, but you're a yoga instructor. Yeah. So about a year ago... I was overloaded. I had four shops and I was like, I need something to chill me out. So I got into yoga and I ended up taking a yoga teacher training, 200 hours. Yeah, I had time. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. What was I thinking? (laughs) But it was like the best four months ever. 
And so now I'm a certified yoga instructor and I teach three classes a week, so three hours. Um, and it's just the time where I can shut off my phone mm-hmm. and be present with people, love on people. Mm-hmm. And that's like my like tender spirit and heart of making people feel good. And so I, so I love that. So I'm glad that I got into uh, being a yoga instructor because I feel like that really balances me out. It sounds like that's what you tried to do to nourish your own spirit. Yeah. In order to, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just like, it fulfills me. That's and, so and great. Who, who would have ever thought? Yeah, who would have thought something so simple? <laughs> my husband's like, um, do you really have time? And I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> I don't need sure. sleep. Sleep? What? I sleep during yoga. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Um, and then my, my last one is share with others. As a business owner, it's important for me to share my journey, inspire others, and help people reach their full potential. And so I'm just huge about helping other people and sharing your tips and your resources and how you, and how you got somewhere. And just, and I think just sharing your story mm-hmm. inspires people. And that's something that I'm like bad at, right? Like I just, sometimes I don't tell people my story. Like probably some of my customers don't even know my story. Um, and so I'm glad to be on this podcast and thankful because it gives me time to really tell my story and like the struggles and, and be real Mm-hmm. And authentic w- mm-hmm. with with your audience about you know that this was this was really really challenging but I'm sitting here today so so thankful that I took some serious ass risks like some scary ones yeah and didn't think twice about them but I have like I have the best life ever well and I think that's that's really a lesson for and especially I'm a risk averse person so I'm like man I someday when I grow up I'm gonna be like Liz I think it's awesome that you share that because a lot of people don't realize that if you don't take the risks, you stay where you are. And even if it's a little baby risk, even if it's something that's just just slightly beyond your comfort zone, it's still worth doing because your life could change dramatically from where it is right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have no idea what that looks like until you mm-hmm. try. Yeah. I always say like I'm living proof of this. Yeah. Right? Of being so in debt so unhappy at one point in my life of just not being fulfilled right and you asked me today if I if I want anything no I I don't I don't want anything or need anything I mean come on I of course want another puppy but not a huge you know (laughs) deal breaker or anything but yeah it's like man five is a lot I have three and I think I'm going crazy and she's got five dogs Mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah I think that's all so valuable because we we get to where we're going by doing, not just by watching others do. We have to actually get out there and do the things that are worth doing in this life if we ever want to have the life that we dream of and we want to live. Mm-hmm. When you talk about creation, like you love your life and you created that by taking risks. Do you feel that over time your tolerance for risk taking has, has grown so what maybe used to scare you four or five years ago doesn't scare you now because you've, you've been there or does it still kind of give you that knee jerk I feel like as I've evolved I I still take some serious risks right Mm -hmm. and buying another shop another shop another shop is super still risky right I mean there's just more expenses you know my margins change I mean there's a lot of things involved um I'm married now so I also have to be mindful of that um but I still take risks I just do it I mean I've seen how it pays off. If you take mm-hmm. risks, 
Just do it. And if you don't have the money or you don't have the thing to do it, go find the thing or the money to do it. Be resourceful. Totally. I mean, I'm like vision board. I've never really done one, but I, I believe in them, right? But I also believe I put things out in the universe and they circle right back to mm-hmm. me, right? I've also, I've also always said you're, you're your own narrative of your story and your success. Mm-hmm. So every single day that we have an opportunity to wake up in the morning, we get to create our story and we get to tell our story. Yeah. And one of the things that I also love about your story is that you didn't start on a third base. You had student loans. You didn't have come from a family that was very wealthy. Somebody didn't drop a business into your lap and say, hey, can you run this? You had to pay for your school. You had to pay that shit off. And then you had to take out a line of credit, which is insane. I'm just like, you told me that story. I'm like, you took out a line of credit. Do you know how crazy that is? <laughs> yeah. And we're talking like five to six hundred dollars in interest a month. Yeah. That wasn't even the loan. Yeah. That was interest. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's nuts. And then you made it work. I just think it's it's crazy I did that. It's proof that Whoa. you don't have to have you don't have to have all the stars to align. You don't have to have parents that had your back. I mean, you had a dad that actually believed in you and lent you the very small chunk of what you needed, but you did it. Your circumstance, you weren't a victim of it. You just did it. No. And I actually think that you work harder when something's not given to you. And you appreciate it more. I agree. You do, right? I mean, I had to hustle because it was my Your ass is on the line. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'd have to file bankruptcy. You know, I mean, like there was serious consequences of not being able to pay back. Mm-hmm. Before we went on, you said, I love reflecting back at this time because I remember and I think you might have even said it I remember where I came from and I think when you when you build it up yourself and you were that person out there door-to-door cold calling the appreciation for where you are now is amplified because you were the one that did it it's similar to if you work in a corporate company and you work your way up from the very bottom and you're at the top you have more empathy for the people who are underneath you working for you because you were in that role at one point. And you probably have a little bit more empathy and understanding for everything in your business because you were the person who did it all at one point other than the grooming. But yeah, I was open and close, right? I was that person, right? So I respect every single person that works for me because it takes all of us to be successful. Yes. And they make me shine. And it goes to show that we always say the customer is always right, but every customer does matter. One customer could be two customers, could be three customers. And if that ball starts rolling in the wrong direction, you're screwed. So you take care of everybody. I love that you take care of the people in your company and you take care of your clients and your customers. I want to get into our little series that we do here at the end. Yeah, let's kick that off. Yes. So we have questions that we ask at the end of all of our interviews so far and... The first one is, so we talked about core values and you said how important those are. So what are your top three core values? So mine are be present, support others, and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yes. In a little bubble. That, that's who I am as a person and that's what I you know, act and perform like in, in all of my businesses. So when you say be present, how are you showing up that way? Are you putting your phone down? Are you 
making sure that you're involved in the conversation, not daydreaming? What does that look like? Because I don't think a lot of people know how to be present. Yeah. So I I think there's a, a, a few ways to go about it, right? Being present in the very moment, right? Is I think it's, you know, as a yoga instructor, I'm, I'm very mindful of being present with yourself and knowing who you are in that very moment, being able to let go of things Mm -hmm. and not have things eat you alive, right? As business owners, it's hard. Things consume us. We get stressed. Things start happening to our bodies, right? And so being present with just who you are as a person, but if you are with somebody else, be present, have that conversation with people. I never am not present with somebody, yeah. right? Like be there in the moment. And especially like when I'm dealing with my customers and my employees is they want to be heard, going mm-hmm. back to that. So be present to for them to be heard. When did that start taking off for you? It, it Has it always been innately in you or is that something that kind of carried on as you started your yoga practice too? Or was that just, did that just enhance it? I think it just enhanced it, okay. yeah. I was always, I always want people to feel super good. Right? Like, I've always had that, like, little touch in me, you know? Like, even, like, as a yoga instructor, like, I'll do adjustments, right? And make people feel good. Make them feel appreciated. Like, put them in that moment of you're loved, you're mm-hmm. taken care of, you're fully supported. Yeah. You can't replace that feeling. When you feel that, you're going to be attracted to that, and you're not going to forget how... They're not going to forget how you made them feel at that moment, mm-hmm. for sure. So our next question is, Liz, what is your shit sandwich? Woo! All right. <laughs> so I'm in the service industry. People complain, <laughs> bash, say things that are not nice, and that is something I have to live with daily. Mm-hmm. So when I lay my head down at night, I just have to know I tried and did my very best. And here's something to ponder. We all think we're really nice humans. We think we're really good humans. But do we act like that? Mm. Do we behave like that? I mean, ponder that, right? We all go out into this universe not thinking we're bad people. Right. Right? But we... We do all those things, right? It's okay to complain, but to bash and keep excelling into making a situation worse, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's something that is hard. Like I used to hate when I would get negative Yelp reviews. Like it would eat my inside. Mm -hmm. My husband would come home from work and be like, you got a bad Yelp review. Like, (laughs) how'd you know? (laughs) Hand me a drink. (laughs) Let me respond to the customer first and then drink, right? But it's, it's that. And so you can empower your employees to make really good decisions. Accidents happen. You make people mad and you make people upset. And that's just real business. Yeah. I have to put my big girl pants on a lot and have to just say, you are right. We were wrong. How can we make this right by you? Yep. This is not... This is this was not what we intended it to be, but here it is. And I think at the end of the day, we all have to decide what flavor our shit is. Yep. <laughs> and eat it. Yep. And just soak it in. It might not taste good, but let's make the best of it and imagine that it tastes really good and just eat shit. Yeah. 
It's so true. And we all know in this room that mistakes happen. And I used to tell my teams that we're all going to make mistakes, but it's not the mistake. It's how we correct that mistake. It's how we show up after not avoiding it, not trying to skirt around it. We're not going to make this an icky situation. We're just going to, like you said, we're going to show up and we're going to make it right because that's how you overcome that because shit does happen and we're eating our shit sandwich and sometimes it's a little more thick than others and it's fucking hard to choke down, but you got to show up and that in itself. And again, you being that, that face and that voice, and you're all speaking the same language, I'm sure really helps overcome some of those hurdles. Yeah. I mean, I just think owning up to it. Yeah. Because sometimes it is not a good thing and you just have to own up to it and take responsibility. And that was a hard lesson for me, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't like to screw people over, right? Or make people feel unappreciative. I want to like crawl in a ball and die, (laughs) right? Because I just hate it. I don't like how I feel. Yeah. And it's icky, you know, as, as you were just talking, I was like cringing because I just know what it feels like. It doesn't feel good, but it's all about the outcome of, of, of what you do. Yeah. And it oh. can be really sensitive situations. Emotions fly. Things can get heated really quickly, but it, staying calm, not avoiding it, just owning up to it and just, it's yeah. tough. I know. That's why I'm like, I just, I'm like, Liz, for the next 15 minutes, put your big girl pants on and just get it done. Mm -hmm. Right. Own up to it and just. On to the next. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the thing too with the shit sandwiches, the shit sandwich is there and it's going to be everywhere. Just like we always say. And it's not about just sucking it up and eating your shit sandwich and not feeling anything. And you should just accept this because this is, this is the crappy part of your job or whatever it is that you're doing you're still going to hate it. It's still going to suck. It always like, sucks. You're not going to be like, oh, well, this is just my shit sandwich and I'm just going to eat it and it's just part of life. You're still going to be like, God, every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, is this worth doing every single day because you love what you're doing so much that it doesn't matter? Or at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, it's the small price to pay yeah. for the life that you're living. And I think that's, for you, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that because if if you start listening to people, people will knock you down. Mm-hmm. They enjoy that. Yes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it's like what you just said is your perspective on, on how you're going to handle it because it's there. Yeah. And it's alive and it's alive and well, unfortunately. Exactly. And one of the things that I love that you said, because Lindsay and I talk a lot on this podcast about being mindful of how you show up in your personal brand and for you to say, you know, we all go out into the universe thinking that we're really nice people but sometimes we're not. And so that's something to be mindful of as well when you are on, if you're not a business owner and you have a grievance that you actually approach it in a way that is this, am I showing up as my best self? Is my personal brand being reflected in a way that is has integrity and we can resolve this without it escalating and being just a jerk? Like, let's not be a-holes. We can be yeah. nice. Yeah. So it's just a good reminder to everybody on the other side of it because a lot of people don't know what it's like on the on the receiving end of that. Lindsay and I had another podcast about being a flakosaurus and how it feels to be on the receiving end of somebody flaking out on you and just all of that ties into just being mindful of how we are being as humans out in this world. Mm-hmm. So I love that reminder. Thank you for that. Of course. All right. The next question is... What is your favorite failure? 
Hiring the wrong people. Um, it has taught me a lot about who I am and what I need and what I attract. Um, the failure part comes in as time was wasted, resources wasted, and overall, my energy was wasted. Mm-hmm. But heck, I learned a lot from it and have better hiring practices now. A good deed never goes unpunished. (laughs) And that applies to employees a lot of the time, right? Because I will bend over backwards for people and help people because I care about people. But that always doesn't suit me well at the end because Mm -hmm. no good deed goes unpunished, right? And my husband said that to me when I like first met him. And I kind of like pondered about it. I was like, I don't, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm glad he told me that. Right. Because (laughs) like literally I, I firmly believe in it and I remind people of it all the time because you do really, really good, but no good deed goes unpunished. Something will happen. And it's kind of like that shit sandwich. Yeah. So I assume you created systems for your hiring process. Yes, (laughs) yes. And just attracting the right people, asking the right questions. I also think when you look at hiring, you have to look at what you attract. Mm -hmm. And I attract interesting characters sometimes, you know, and it's challenging. You just never know, right? Everybody puts their best foot forward. I think just from a hiring perspective, And just to share out there, it gets hard to when you're in a place where you have a need and you want to fill that need and to be patient, not to fill that need out of convenience, but to really fill it with the right person and to take the time and to have to do the extra work or to ask your employees to maybe step in into different roles to support the rest of the team while you're filling that need, because that can cause a lot of stress on the team as well. So to be patient and not to just jump at the first candidate. Yeah, and I tend to believe in everybody, right? So I think good of everybody. And so that is a failure of, of, of who I am in, mm-hmm. in, in some sense because it can backfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel good about it, though? Are you okay with seeing the good in everybody until they prove you wrong anyway? Yeah. I'm just so... I'm the same way. I'm so true to it that, like, I don't know any different. And I can't even imagine to know any different. I'll just get screwed over. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll pick myself back up off the concrete, you know, and make it work. Mm-hmm. Right. And just, and do it all over again, because mm-hmm. I believe that there needs to be more humans out there like that. I hundred yeah. percent agree with you. And you're someone who sees opportunity. So of course you're going to see the opportunity in people as well that carries over. Yeah. And I've always been a firm believer in, in my, you know, grooming business is People started off as bathers and now are managers. I like to evolve people. One of the reasons I love being a business owner is allowing people to grow within my company. There's nothing better than knowing that you can provide growth for somebody, but you can also evolve their whole entire life, their kids' lives. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to enhance people's lives and you know that goes back to like my touchy sensey you know just love on people because I like to make people happy I'm a people pleaser Mm -hmm. for sure but that's awesome that you can see the opportunity in others to say hey here's an opportunity for you let's put this into place and see where you thrive in this space and allow them to have that opportunity yeah I love it it's so fun 
And I love that you said that you you have to be mindful of what you attract. And Lindsay, you said another thing. You have to be patient with what you attract. And that's that's business, but that's life, man. Same thing. If you are down in the dumps and recognizing that maybe you're attracting more of the same and you might have to switch it around. You might have to change the thinking up a little bit and be patient. Oh, man, that's hard. Woo! Yeah. Patience <laughs> so is a bitch. hard. It is <laughs> yeah, a bitch. Yeah, it really is. Woo! So much. All right, Liz. So what's your favorite quote that you think of often or maybe even live your life by? So my yogis probably are sick of hearing this because I literally love to end my practice with this because it gives you, you can visualize this quote. What you think you create, what you feel you attract, what you imagine you become. That is so good. So when, like, can you imagine laying in a dark room on your yoga mat after your yoga practice and to walk away with that? Say it one more time. What you think you create, what you feel you attract, what you imagine you become. That's powerful. Can you put that on a print so I can put it in my office, please? Yeah. <laughs> I think we can make, we can arrange that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. All right, Liz. So again, thank you for sharing your story. Um, like Jenna said, Jenna's known Liz for a couple years, but this is the first time where I've been exposed to her in person. I was totally trolling a while ago and I've been following her on Instagram and like following her story. But this is the first time I've got to see, see you in person and meet you. And I've been awe inspired. So thank you for sharing your story. It's been absolutely wonderful and very heartfelt. So thank you again. True pleasure. Like, thanks for giving me the opportunity. So if we can give the opportunity for others to find you, where can they do that? Yes. So my uh, grooming can be found at at Puff and Fluff Spa. And my personal brand is Liz.illig. It's L-I-Z dot I-L-L-G. Perfect. And if you're in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area, you can, of course, visit any of Liz's beautiful Puff and Fluff dog spas. She's got five locations here, so check her out. Come I check love how out. they're decorated. They're just cute. They're very much your personality. Yes, when very I, much. I've been in one, and I noticed how everything was so Liz. So thank you for taking the time to be here with us today, and uh, I hope you all enjoyed this. Thank I know you. we did. Thank you again. Until next time. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.